Let me tell you about the world's first billionaire. By age 23, this man already had become a millionaire. And by age 50, he became the world's first billionaire, and I believe still the richest person ever to live. Every waking moment of him was dedicated to making what? Money. And in doing so, beating the competition and building a vast business empire. But only three years after becoming a billionaire, at age 53, he became very, very sick. His hair started to fall out, his body was filled with pain, and he could only eat milk and crackers, and his personal physicians predicted that he would die within one year. And during that time, he started to reflect on many things, and one of those things was all the wealth that he accumulated and what to do with it. And he decided to start giving it away. That's when John D. Rockefeller started his foundation and began giving money away to hospitals, to medical research, to schools, and yes, to churches even. And this is the infamous to some Rockefeller who made his money with the Standard Oil Company and was hated by many and certainly a very complex person, but he realized that taking billions of dollars to the grave was something he couldn't do. And it didn't make much sense, so he started giving money away. And he gave money to places like Spelman College, a university in Georgia for former slave women and their daughters. And he gave money to other colleges in the South to educate former slaves. His giving also led to eradicating hookworm in the American South. His giving led to the discovery of penicillin, of certain cures for malaria, for cures for tuberculosis and diphtheria, and even the building of many churches and many public schools. And strangely then, Rockefeller didn't die within that one year. He didn't even die in his 50s. As he retired, as he worked less, and as he gave away more, strangely his health improved. When he stopped obsessing about killing the competition and getting more and focused more on giving it away, his body strangely began to heal and improve, and he lived all the way to be 97. And people say, well, the only goal that he didn't complete in his life was he wanted to live to 100. Now, I can't promise you that if you give all of your money away, you'll be healed from all your physical ailments. I can't promise you that. But the story does make some important points. Money is a blessing when given. And the Bible talks about money like seeds. Hopefully you heard that in in the reading in 2 Corinthians. We plant seeds. If you have a garden or something else, and then you wait, and you wait for them to grow into something bigger in the future. That's the the image we're supposed to to see here. You plant something, you wait, you hope, and it grows into something bigger. Money is meant to be shared and given generously to bless others that it grows into something greater in the future. So 2 Corinthians 9 talks about sowing seed. Remember in this whole two chapters, 8 and 9, about money, Paul never says the word money. So he talks about the grace God has given us, the generosity, giving, sowing, sowing seed and seeing a harvest later. So giving money towards medical research is a seed sown that produced later Harvests of cures and people being healed and families not experiencing the loss they would have and society being healthier. So when we give to to many things, we are sowing seeds for God to grow into something greater in the future. So as we finish our 
series on money matters in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. Remember, Paul is asking the Corinthian Christians, as they were prosperous, they were wealthy in a very prosperous city and society, and he was asking them to give to help Christians that were suffering many miles away in Jerusalem and Judea, suffering great famine there. And so he uses the image of farming that they would know, sowing seed. So he says, this is verse 6, he says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. And then he says, each one of you should give what you've decided in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Remember, he's, he's saying, hey, give to Christians in need in another part of the world. Give generously. And then he says, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. He goes on, now the one who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. So when first century farmers farmed, sowed seed, they didn't have obviously all the, the modern farm equipment or techniques or, or GPS that even uh, combines use and planting in today's uh, farming world. They didn't have, you know, automatic Whole pokers, cedars, they did it all by hand, you know, the, the old-fashioned, old-fashioned way. And so for thousands of years, most fields were seeded by a farmer walking around with a, a knapsack on his shoulder full of seeds and just throw, you know, grab seed and, and throw everywhere indiscriminately, you know, scattering it all over, sowing it generously. And so if you sowed a lot of seed, you'd get a lot of crop, right? And if you, you know, didn't sow very much, sowed rather stingy amount, your crop wouldn't be very much. And so Paul is telling the Corinthian Christians that, hey, giving is a lot like this. Whoever sows sparingly, reaps sparingly. Whoever sows generously, reaps generously. Jesus also, in, in some of his parables, says, you reap what you sow. This is a principle I think we know in life, Right? If I take care of my body, I will be healthier. We understand that, right? If I exercise, eat lots of kale and cauliflower and, and less cake and donuts and pumpkin pie with a half a can of whipped cream on it, I will be healthier. Or if I'm, I'm mean and unkind to everyone in life, I won't have friends, right? This makes sense to us. And Paul is saying, well, giving is kind of like that too. God blesses you with everything you have in the first place, but then when you are generous and giving back to God and giving to others, you'll be blessed again. Now, this makes me wonder, and it makes me ask some questions, because to me, this sounds like another principle that people talk about a lot, saying things like, you reap what you sow, which Jesus does say, uh, and then people say, well, you, give, you get what you give, and it can sound a lot like something the Bible doesn't say. But we, we hear things like, well, if I'm kind to you, good things will come back to me, right? What is this starting to sound like? Whatever you give out to the world, you, you, you get back, whether it's good or whether it's bad. This starts to sound a lot like what? Karma, right? Karma, what is that? Many, many of you are familiar with the term. It's got a lot of uh, usage these days. It comes to us, karma it comes to us from Hinduism and Buddhism, and it's the principle of whatever you do will come back to you. So if you do good things, good things come back to you. If you do bad things, bad things come back to you. And even thoughts, you think bad things, bad things will come to you. And in Hinduism, they believe that eventually this determines when you're reincarnated whether you'll be you know, something better or something worse in your next life. 
So it makes me wonder, what's the difference between grace and karma? Or what's the difference between God's grace or giving to God, knowing that God will bless you? What's the difference between that and karma? Is there a difference? What is it? So let's talk about it. Let's talk about sowing karma and grace for a few minutes. So what does karma say? For those of you that are inclined to, to believe it, uh, karma says whatever you do, somehow the forces of the universe, whether you believe in God or, or something else or not at all, but karma says whatever you do, somehow the forces of the universe receive your good work and then translate it into future good things coming back at you. So you hold the door for people, you know, plus one. Give money to a cause, you know, the universe will give you mm, plus three, maybe plus five if you give a lot. Cut somebody off in traffic, you know, minus one. Cheat on your taxes, minus four. Rake your neighbor's leaves, plus two. You know, you get the picture, right? Each good thing you do, good things come back, and each bad thing you do, bad things come back, and then, you know, you get this tally over time. I really did read this on, on social media this week. Somebody wrote, I was angry at my ex-girlfriend, so I drove by her car and I was going to spit on it. But as I rolled on the window, a gust of wind blew in my window and it flew back right into my face. <laughs> and, and their last sentence was, I guess it was bad karma coming back at me. Now there is a small piece that makes sense to us, right? If you are kind to people, they'll largely be kind back. If you are always serving others, people are likely to be willing to serve you. If you give to others in need, they are likely to help you in need. There is something that, that appeals and is baseline true, but there is a very serious flaw. Karma and biblical giving or God's grace are not the same at all. They are very, very different. So let's talk about that. If karma is true, why would you give money to anything? If karma is true, why would you give money to God or to a church, to a cause, or to help someone in need? Why? You would give it because you're earning brownie points with the universe and you'll get something back someday, right? So if you see someone in need and you help them, what is going through your mind when you give to them? Ah, this, this will come back good karma, or this will come back to me. Ah. So if karma is true, who are you actually giving to when you give? Yeah. And uh, if karma is true, who are you actually serving? Who are you actually holding the door for when you hold the door for somebody else? You're actually holding it, you know, for yourself. When you serve somebody, who are you actually trying to help? Yourself. Not the person, yourself. So karma says, sow seeds of goodness because it will come back to you. That is not serving or sacrifice. That's ultimately selfish. That's saying, I will do good things to you only because it will come back to me. And the only motivation to give or to serve is selfish and it, so that you get something back. Biblical giving is completely different. You see, God gives to you because God is God and God is love and God is generous. God blesses you. God provides for you. God has saved you not because you deserve it, but because God is love and love is sacrifice. God has given you everything, and Jesus bled and died to forgive and to save you. This is all free gift by grace, no strings attached, received by faith, paid for by Jesus. You can't earn God's favor, you already have it. You can't earn brownie points with God, you already have them all because Jesus died and rose and gives them to you. 
So you can't earn karma with God. He already loves you enough to suffer and die for you, and you can't get any more favor than that. You are already God's beloved child, baptized, washed clean, renewed, promised heaven, completely game over. And because you know how much forgiveness God has shown you, you serve, you give, and you sow. Because you know how much God has forgiven you, you forgive other people. Not because you're getting something back, because you've been already given something. Because you know how much God has blessed you, you are generous to other people. Because you know how much undeserved grace God has shown you, you show grace to other people. And when we give and when we serve, God continues to bless us more and more. Now, you don't do that to get something. You already have everything from God. And because you have all of God's new life in Jesus, then we keep becoming generous people, but in the process, God continues to bless us. We sow seeds of generosity and service, not because we're getting something, but because we already have it all. So that's why Paul keeps going on in this section, and he says, the service that you perform, he's talking about giving to the Christians in Judea, the the service you perform is not only supplying their needs, but also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because this service, by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God, others will see it and praise God for your obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. So they're gonna, he's asking them to give which, because of their confession of the gospel of Christ, not to get anything back. So the Corinthians, sowing and giving and generosity accompanies their, their, their confession. It means that the gospel of Christ is what makes us generous people. We aren't secretly, selfishly trying to give to ourselves or get good things back to ourselves. We just are generous people because what God has given to us. And in the process, because God is so gracious, He continues to even bless us more. So since Paul spends a lot of time on this, asking the Corinthians to be generous and not be stingy with all that, the wealth that they were given as a prosperous city, it makes me wonder, how does this end up? You know, sometimes you wonder, where does the story go in the Bible? How does this end up? What's, what's uh, Paul Harvey, what's the rest of the story? This is actually a strange incident where we actually do know the rest of the story, not because the Bible tells us, because the Bible doesn't tell us, but there's something after it, and that is the earliest Christian document we have after the New Testament is not all that many years after, and it's called First Clement. Clement was an early church leader, bishop of Rome in the 80s and 90s, so he's actually mentioned in the book of Philippians, chapter 4, he's talked about as a colleague of Paul, so somebody that knew the, the disciples, the, the Paul, the apostles, knew those early leaders and was a leader there, and so uh, after, you know, the New Testament time, shortly after, even with that time, he writes a letter to the church at Corinth because he still has a relationship with them. And interestingly, in his letter called First Clement, which is, is accurate, historical, reliable, he tells the Corinthians, uh, kind of praises them for being known as generous people. He praises them for, for, and the quote is, for being known as people that, that are giving more gladly than receiving. So they become known in the next number of years as a people that were generous and wanting to serve and wanting to give more than to receive. Isn't that great? To see that the gospel did change their hearts. They did become generous because of what God has done for them. So I love to see that. It shows us that the gospel seeds work. Why? 
This takes us back to the verse that we've had all month. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. In Jesus' name, amen.